Hello and welcome to Nutrition 411, the podcast, a special podcast series led by registered dietitian and nutritionist Lisa Jones. The views of the speakers are their own and do not reflect the views of their respective institutions or consultant 360. All right. Well, welcome to episode four, where I have the privilege of talking to Dr. Amy Lee Amos about practical insights on optimal nutrition strategies. But before we dive into that, I want to talk to Dr. Amy Lee Amos about the last episode where we talked about debates into dietetics. And we had this wonderful conversation and covered so many things. But Amy Lee, if you had to sum up that conversation in one or two sentences, what are the key takeaways from that episode? Oh gosh. I mean, we talked about a lot, but I would say, uh, you know, there certainly are some controversies regarding diets, uh, in relation to Alzheimer's prevention and management, but you know, the, the research is actually quite clear on a lot of the issues that are still controversies with quotes around it. And so I think we talked about how, if you're going to engage in one of, in a, in a conversation about this to make real, absolutely sure that you are extremely well-versed in all of the research and that as a clinician that we talk without the hyperbolic language and with all of the nuance required for that individual topic. Um, And then the other thing that we talked about was that it's okay to tell your patient that you don't know something if you don't know it. And it's much better to say that than to kind of make something up. Yes. And then remembering our own biases, which was such great advice. Yeah, absolutely. I think that is kind of an overlooked area. Thank you. Thank you for that recap. So let's dive into practical insights. Okay. My first question is, what are some practical and actionable nutrition strategies that dietitians can recommend to individuals and families when they are dealing with Alzheimer's disease? I think for the average person, let's say, you know, someone is maybe worried about their cognition there. That's not maybe the primary reason that they've come to see you, but um, it's, it's one of the things, let's say that was mentioned a, a Mediterranean diet pattern, which all RDs are familiar with is going to be a great starting point. And so even if this is an individual who eventually might need to be referred out to somebody who specializes, but you want to get them started, starting them on a Mediterranean diet. So including more plant foods in their diet, which is a great way to start, um, is, is something that you can recommend. I like to always, depending on who's sitting in front of me, uh, I like to start with the things that an individual should include in their diet rather than getting into all the things that maybe you should be taking out of the diet. I find that that's a much much more accessible kind of starting point. It's it's not as nearly as much as of a turnoff for somebody who maybe depending on their, you know, stage of change might not be fully ready to to dive in with all of the nutritional interventions that are available. So, what can the individual add into their diet? And what they can be adding in absolutely are vegetables, fruits, all of those good healthy plant foods, nuts, seeds, things like that. We also want to make sure that they're getting good, healthy sources of fat in their diet. So extra virgin olive oil, olives, like I said, the nuts, seeds, avocados, those types of foods as well. So all the different foods that we can add in, um, depending on 
you know, the practitioner and uh, your experience and possibly other kinds of certifications. You might also want to talk about physical activity and if the individual can add in to their lifestyle, again, any form of physical activity that that's going to do more than any drug that's out there for Alzheimer's disease, any pharmaceutical available, just the benefits we can get from physical activity. So I would start with all those things that we can add into the person's life before you start getting into the things that might need to be removed. So you mentioned physical activity, but is there a specific recommendation that you give or is it specific and individualized based on the patient or client that you're with? Yeah, it absolutely has to be individualized because as you can imagine with Alzheimer's, I'm dealing with people who have very uh, different levels of physical abilities. So I would say anything is better than nothing. So for the person who hates it, hates exercise, I would just say joyful movement, any sort of joyful movement that they can include would be wonderful, um, regardless of what it is, um, just something that they're willing to do. For somebody who's more, you know, able and willing to, to do different types of activities, I would encourage some sort of aerobic activity, depending on their, their, um, their physical abilities, but something where they're getting their heart rate up is essential and some resistance training, which again, can be anything from, you know, uh, body weight bearing to like actual, um, like using weights it, it, that can, that can mean so many things is my point. Um, in terms of the research, there's some great research on hit training, high intensity interval training with regards to cognition. There's also some interesting, like kind of, um, I think they're correlational studies about leg strength and cognitive function. So encouraging someone to get, you know, their, their lower body really strong. There's some really cool research out there. So depending on the individual, you can get really specific with it. Um, but I would say more than anything, my goal is just to get the individual moving. Yeah. It definitely sounds like, like from listening to what you were just saying, cause that was my next question and you kind of answered it. Like if there was the research indicating any specific type, but it sounds like like it ranges, it could be hit, it could be leg strength. So they're, so as long as somebody's doing something that they find joy in and they're moving, that's better than not moving at all. Right. And that they're going to stick with it. I mean, that's also huge. So if you like it, you're probably going to keep doing it. If you're, if you are hating whatever it is, uh, you might do it for a couple of weeks, a month, and then probably you're going to fall off of it eventually. Uh, the other thing, there's also some great research that shows any kind of um, physical activity that includes the mind and body. Um, so if we think of things like ballroom dancing, which is like you're, you know, it's highly physical, but you're also, it takes a lot of brain power both to to follow your partner and like pick up on those sorts of cues Um Also, if there's like a certain, you know, um, uh, dance routine that you're trying to follow, you have to be remembering it. Uh, There's a component of that with certain types of martial arts as well. So there's been some really cool studies on like mind body movement and how that's also helpful with regards to cognitive function. Yeah. And that also adds additional layer too for people that are looking for other options. Because when you say like, oh, ballroom dancing. Like sometimes some forms of dancing, you know, and then consider it exercise. People love to do it. So that's right. But it absolutely is. I mean, you're, you're working up a sweat. It's hard to do. It's, it's wonderful. So, and then there's other benefits to that as well. You're listening to music, which is good for the brain. You know, you're hopefully having a good time, which is good for, you know, just for everything for your stress level. So yes, I, I think that's, that's sort of also what I mean with joyful movement, whatever that might be to you is great. Yes. 
And even walking down the street is better than not doing anything and sitting absolutely. on the couch. Yep, absolutely. Wow. Thank you for that. So we kind of already talked about, I guess my second part to that, uh, the original question was talking more about cognitive function, enhancing overall quality of life, which exercise does, eating right does, and then making sure that we're providing meaningful support in daily, in their daily lives. So if you have clients, like how else can you provide meaningful support besides yeah, all so- these recommendations? Right. I mean, and depending on an individual's cognitive function, that's going to mean different things. So uh, certainly in my practice, when I work with people who have Alzheimer's disease, it's absolutely critical that the family is involved. Certainly the people who live with the individual, but also sometimes those who don't like adult children, um, that's going to be essential with, uh, with regards to compliance, as you can imagine. Um, so it's important, you know, to, to help with your patient to make that call together, like who needs to attend these sessions in order to make the interventions realistic and something that can be translated into real life. Or if someone can't attend the intervention, who needs to be copied on the follow-up email where you summarize, you know, the, the, the different goals for, for that session, that's going to be a really important piece as well. And then for somebody who maybe has just kind of subjective cognitive impairment, you still might want to do that, even though they're able to take all of the interventions cognitively, they're able to process them and implement them on their own. I mean, if, if let's say the, the individual, you're giving them a new kind of nutrition plan, if they're able to do that with their spouse, as opposed to now, okay, we have to create two separate meals for us before we sit down to eat. It's going to be a lot easier if the spouse or partner or anyone that they live with is on board with that. So it's, it's really important to get the, I I say family involvement, but really anyone in their um, inner circle to get those people involved as well, to be actively supporting the individual. That's just going to make it far more likely that they're going to be successful. And long-term too. Yeah. I I like that inner circle terminology that you're using. Yeah. Getting them involved. Well, great. Is there anything else that you can think of that you want to share about their practical insights? Maybe um, an example of like one of your previous patients without saying their name, that kind of thing, like something like a best practice. Well, I I would say one of my favorite stories to tell, um, just like the point of this story is that, you know, it, sometimes you got to really stick with this. So for someone who, uh, we, you know, if you're really, if you're specializing in this and you're really working to help improve cognition in somebody who has Alzheimer's disease, often that's going to be part of a multidisciplinary team. And the example here, this gentleman that I had been working with for months, I think we were at month nine of, you know, you know, really working the diet, working all of those modifiable lifestyle factors. He was working with uh, neurologists and uh, physical therapists, all kinds of other practitioners as well, working so hard on this and seeing zero improvement for the longest time. Um, Seeing the symptoms, uh, the the decline had slowed and and the decline had stopped but no improvements, which was just devastating for this individual's wife. And one day I get a phone call from his wife and she's just sobbing on the phone. And when she finally is able to get words out, she said he shaved for the first time in years. Her husband, who had lost the ability to shave, she walked past the bathroom and there he was in the mirror shaving his face. 
which sounds like such a small thing. Like, you know, he still had Alzheimer's. This wasn't, it wasn't, he didn't recover from Alzheimer's, but all of that work had led to a very small increase in one of his activities of daily living, which was powerful for the spouse, powerful for me and the rest of this individual's care team. It shows that sometimes you have to stick with this for a long time, keep tweaking as needed until you can start to see some improvements. Oh, thank you for sharing. That's a fantastic story. It's so powerful. He shaved. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) right. It's like one of those things that you don't think about, but there, those are big things. Someone's activities of daily living are huge. And if you can help someone, even in, even in a small way like that, that's, that's really big with regards to their quality of life. Yeah. So his, his, I'm sure his inner circle were, they were elated. Oh, they the were. Oh my that. gosh. It was, it was huge for them, which is really wonderful. So, you know, the small improvements are actually still really, really profound in this, yes. in this uh, population. That's a powerful message. And I thank you, Dr. Amy Lee Amos, for being on our podcast here and sharing all your wisdom with us. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This was so fun. Thank you. For more nutrition content, visit consultant360.com.